Uh, so um, how much is that? Welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, the business side of podcast editing, not just the production or whatnot, but actually running a business and doing this professionally. Today, we have an amazing show. I'm really excited to talk about one of my favorite tools that I use pretty much every show I work on. Um, but before we get into that, I am Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Brian Ensminger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. And beside me is... Carrie Caulfield, Eric. And you can <laughs> find me at yayapodcasting.com. Quick aside, I am not where you think I am, Brian. <laughs> that's the, yeah, so that's, that's fair. Uh, Daniel, do you want to introduce yeah. our guests? And then, yeah, I'll explain why we're so confused. <laughs> So our guest tonight is Cam Lal, who is the founder of NoTracks. He has an extensive background in audio and music production and software development. Uh, NoTracks was inspired by a need he had in music production workflow that led to the development of the platform that is now used by musicians, podcasters, and audio and video creators all around the world. And I am one of those. Cam, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Super excited to to, to be here, and then uh, get, again to to spend some 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 quality time with a with a fellow customer. <laughs> Perhaps convince a couple on the board on the panel as well too. <laughs> no, no, I'm super super stoked to to, to, to be here. It's good. Uh, yeah. If you like, honestly, anybody who our I guess our target audience would get a use out of this, um, especially if any clients that like to have a say in like the final audio. Uh, but we'll get into all that. But before we dive too deep, I do want to say this episode is generously sponsored by the Podcast Editors Academy. They have a ton of amazing resources. And if you are on the fence about joining the Academy, now is a perfect time because they have some amazing deals that are expiring at the end of the month. Not only is there an incredible discount on the podcast, was the Editors Conference. I'm, I'm losing what the words are. That's happening right before podcast movement. But you can also get a discount on headphones, uh, Hindenburg Pro, and a bunch of other things that are expiring at the end of the month, as well as the tool we're talking about tonight, NoTrack. So you can get a pretty steep discount right now whenever you join and use the code YETIS and get your first 31 days free at Podcast Editors Academy. Shout out to Steve Stewart and, and Mark Deal. Yeah, they've created an incredible, incredible resource for podcast editors like us. Yeah. Plus, there's a job board. So, yeah. Yeah. Anybody looking to find clients, you know, that's a great reason to join alone because there's always something. And Steve posts new jobs to the academy before posting it to the public group. So, if you want to get a a jump start, honestly, like if you land like one client because of that, it's already paid for the membership itself. Yeah. So, Cam, do you want to tell us a little bit about you, how you got started, and how No Tracks came to be? How it got started is uh, it, it falls from a little bit uh, my background. I've got a music background, so I grew grew up as a young uh, child playing playing the keys. Got into hip hop culture. Uh, was an inspiring rap artist. Um, got into DJing, and after being a DJ for for a certain amount of time, once you've got some some talents and you know what a hit record sounds like. You seek to make the hit instead of play the hit. So I got into music production, 
you know, uh, opened up my DAWs, started recording, um, enhancing the sounds. But at the same time, um, you know, my parents were wanted to, to, to have me fall back on something just in case my music career wasn't going to make it. Um, so I did, a, I did a background in uh, computer science just because I wanted to understand how the software uh, I was working with was built. There were a lot of, you know, everything was going to digital. So Cubase was what I started off using, you know, virtual synth technology, uh, my VSTs, my plugins, et cetera. And I wanted to understand how, you know, how these things, you know, came about. Did a major in computer science, wasn't very motivating. I barely, barely passed, uh, you know, through the courses. And uh, I started doing a minor in music just to keep myself motivated. And in one of the classrooms, we were doing an ear training exercise where you take, a, you know, a piece of music and you dissect it to know, you know, what's going on in, in the track, um, you know, chord progression changes, even, uh, you know, an audio engineering standpoint, we're looking at frequencies, you know, bass frequencies, et cetera. So the professor would print screen a waveform, you know, put it up on, on the projector. And us as students would be taking timestamp notes of, you know, 30 seconds, you know, chord progression change, 45 seconds, et cetera, et cetera, this is happening. And it was around the time that paper was going to digital. So apps such as Evernote were emerging, the note-taking app, Microsoft Word, Google Docs. It was an excellent exercise. So, you know, just, just the process of reverse engineering a popular track allowed me to go back into my studio and say, hey, you know, try to do this or try to do that when it comes to your own production. But I never had the platform for it. You know, my notes were always on a piece of paper. The, the, you know, the music was always in a CD player at the time. We would have to rewind, pause, fast forward, et cetera. And there was no visual. I couldn't see the waveform. So I always wanted to, you know, take notes on audio tracks. And the best thing I could do at that time, given the fact that I was a DJ and, you know, we used to do our own marketing materials, do a little bit of Photoshop and all that stuff. I would print screen Cubase sessions and then paste them into Photoshop and then write notes underneath the session files. I would, you know, just take the text tool and start. And I've got, I've got, I've got somewhere in the, somewhere in my closet, I've got the first version of like note tracks where, you know, it's, it's basically notes on a <laughs> session. And that's what I wanted. Once I graduated, I, you know, I started working in, um, in, in software, uh, software development. A few years later, SoundCloud came about and I go, oh, wow, you've got the waveform and you've got, you know, some, some notes and there goes that idea I had. Um, but, but I still, you know, tried to use it for, for the, this specific purpose of analysis. And it didn't serve my purpose just because, you know, the comments there were not very visible. They're very limited. It was for so it was designed for social sharing of music and not for, you know, documentation on audio, which is what I envisioned like a markup tool on audio where I could circle stuff and draw stuff and analyze um, the crap out of, <laughs> out of a, an audio file. And it was specifically for, for the purpose of, of analyzing. It was really, you know, just to reverse engineer popular music so I could become a better music producer. That was, that was what, what drove me to build this version. And, and I came to a point where after working many, many years in software technology, you know, I was ma managing some, some large-scale mobile and web projects. And I came to a point where I, I was moving away from music. I had this passion of mine of still, you know, wanting to be this better music producer. And I said, well, you know, I could... Go ahead and try to build this tool now. I, I've assembled, you know, the knowledge to to do so. Worst case scenario, it's going to be an expensive piece of gear. You know, best case scenario, you know, I'll get the tool and you know I'll be able to play with it. And I took this year off of work to to do it. And then you know what I was building you know, turned to be a startup. So there was access to you know to grow the company and grow the product. So we launched our first version. It was an iOS uh, app um, on the App Store, and um, you know I built it for analysis. And then musicians started. You know it always had a 
you know, flavor of music behind it. Um, just because again, it was, it was, it was built for, for, for this purpose, but musicians started using it to collaborate. So they, they started actually, we would, you know, ask our users, what are you using this app for? And they said, well, we're actually, you know, a band trying to give feedback to um, our band members spread across, you know, pre COVID. And it was, it was a very archaic version of the app. It was, you know, it was, it was an app that you had to download. There was no cloud to it. It was, you know, they were passing files by sending note track session files. So they would mark the notes up and then they would send the session file in an email or by Dropbox to somebody and then somebody would open it, um, you know, and they would just have this, this kind of like this, this DAW session file. It wasn't a DAW, but it's like the session file um, where they would be able to, to see the notes so I felt like there was a very, a very uh, Microsoft word for audio, a first version of, of what we were trying to build. And our next step was to really build this cloud collaborative, like Google Docs version, where, you know, you're able to upload to the cloud, invite somebody in real time. You're able to, you know, see notes and, and, and exchange feedback in, in real time together. So we were able to, to receive a bit, of, a bit more funding to be able to build this version. And that launched um, slightly pre-COVID, but, you know, our main launch was, was during COVID where, you know, we had this entire shift towards remote collaboration. So initially, even though we built this as a music tool, we initially launched in the podcasting space. Um, so one of, one of our partners, you know, came to us and said, Hey, you've got this tool. We've got a large segment of podcasters. Does this work for podcasting? We did have to make some tweaks because there's a, there's a bit of a difference between, there's a lot of parallels between music production and podcasting, you know, your DAWs that are being used, you've got your, you know, engineering, your, your plugins, et cetera, but there's a lot of differences as well too. So in music, you're dealing with a two to five minute maximum file and podcasts are like 45, 45 <laughs> to like one hour. So our load times, performance times had to be, you know, modified and optimized to handle these, these types of files, which we did. And it's been great. I would say we're a little more podcast, um, you know, users than music at this point. So I'd, I'd probably say about, you know, 60 to 40%. But a lot of our, you know, podcasters are also musicians at the same time too, which makes it very interesting. I talked to, you know, guys that, uh, that, that are also music producers working on podcasts or podcasters that happen to be musicians. So I feel that there's a lot of parallels between both. I enjoy it because, I mean, we're, we're talking about the same gear. We're in the same space. It's a, it's a different industry and a different medium, that's for sure. But, you know, I love, love being in this industry. And, and the use case, I mean, the use case is, is basically all around collaboration. So, uh, you know, the same way as musicians were, were using it to collaborate or are using it to uh, collaborate, podcasters are doing the same, whether they be editors or whether they be producers, creators, hosts. They are all gathering feedback um, on an episode, on a draft, on an episode in works to be able to improve the process, um, which, you know, even though this platform was built for analyzing a hit record, I feel it's the same thing. I feel like feedback is just another form of analysis. It's just, you know, it's peer analysis, it's group analysis, it's quality control. Um, you know, it's controlling the quality of, of what you're doing to improve it. Um, so yeah, ha- happy to be here and talk about you know collaboration, feedback, uh, improvement in general. I feel that it, it's not only in what we do; it's it's also in you know um, everything else that we that, that surrounds us. So, as a software developer, uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm always looking for feedback. I'm always trying to improve, you know, and 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 just you know make the best make the best things that we could possibly make. I know for me. Like I'd be interested to see how I don't know if it's relevant for our audience, but like the collaboration aspect, because like I imagine like for large teams narrative based that'd be huge. But I know for me it's all about the quality control. So whenever I finish an episode, 
every episode goes to somebody on my team and they take it, upload it to Note Tracks, make all their notes. And then I get an email of like all the timestamps. That's really useful. It's like seeing like all the timestamps, what their notes are, and just having like a platform. Cause before it was just um, having to, so she would have to like listen to it like on a separate thing, have like Word doc or something or an email open. And like all the timestamps are like slightly off, but with this, like as she's listening, she can just like pinpoint like right where it is, leave her comment about what needs to be changed, or, like what her opinion is, and then like keep going. And it's nice having like all kind of in one program. That that's nice because <laughs> dealing with the you know somebody just kind of uh, looking and writing down a timestamp is mm-hmm. uh, very not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yeah. even close. Yeah, I mean the the, the timestamp. You know what we what we what we bank on is that the timestamp could be well, you know um, uh, an error. So again, you could be lo- looking at a player and then going back into you know your email and then typing in something, um, and then and then you know it's the wrong timestamp. You know you missed a you missed a one before the colon, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and then there's also, I mean, what we also, you know, kind of play on is, is, is the disconnect. So it's kind of like, right. You're, you're as close connected to the audio. If you're, if you're putting something on the, on the waveform visually, you could actually see it. So you could actually see, you know, where you put your marker and then have your note attached to it and then continue to listen. So you don't have to stop anything. You don't have to switch tabs. You don't have to go back and forth. It's really close as you could get to on, on the waveform. So you don't kind of interrupt your flow. But Daniel, you, you have a particular use for it. So, I mean, so are, in, in your case, you're the editor and you have somebody that's, that's, that's QAing your edits. If I'm, I'm, it's not the client that you're sending it to. So I have three people that use it. So me, um, I have an assistant editor and then my virtual assistant. Either me or my editor, whenever we get done, we'll send the audio to her. She'll listen through, make her notes, and then we'll get like the digest of... What it is. I think he actually logs into note tracks to see all the notes and I just go by the email that automatically sends out. So yeah, I actually don't actually work with any clients. I should because there is one. So I have one client that is pretty in depth. And so like sometimes like I'll get an email back like at this timestamp, but it's like 1547. I go there. I'm like, I am not hearing what you're hearing, but it was actually like 2547 or something like that one number, like you're saying is off. So I, I do need to get her on it so that way you can actually pinpoint like exactly where she wants it and being able to like highlight whole sections one of the things i'm wondering because i have occasionally harebrained ideas that are just they seem ridiculous and i know everybody's just like super surprised to hear that but i'm wondering as a developer did the community ever bring you something for note tracks that you said this is the dumbest thing or like i don't think this will ever work and you tried it and it was like, oh, this is the best idea ever. Like, did anybody ever bring something to you like that? Or am I going to be the first? Yeah, no, do you have one? <laughs> you have Actually, one? I was thinking about this today because I, I love that NoteTrax is really pushing on some of the integrations, right? And I see a potential where if there was a two-way integration where I could push a file to NoteTrax to send to a client and assuming that they approved it, they could then push it directly to their media host, either by FTP or by... API or something like that, that would significantly decrease the probability of probability of an error, right? Because I send them a file, that doesn't mean that's the file they upload, right? Something else could happen. And maybe you've already built that, right? That'd be even better, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, and you're, you're talking from the editor or you're talking from the client or both? 
both, oh, right? Yeah. Either. So I've got a couple clients where I upload for them. Most of my clients, I send them the file and then they do everything else after that. Yeah. But um, we don't do a ton of different versions, but every once in a while, there's one that you have a different version. And there's yeah. always the possibility that you might upload the wrong one. But if you've got it sitting right there and you just push the button so that it's human proof, like, because I need something that's <laughs> human proof for me. I'll throw that out there. You can take it or ignore it. I don't care. Yeah, Brian, I got, I got to say, that's, that, that's the craziest idea I've ever heard so far. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're absolutely not going to entertain that. No, I'm kidding. You're the, per- <laughs> you're the perfect person to, to suggest that idea because, uh, so yeah, to, just, to, just to, you know, to conclude on that, I mean, the, the best case scenario would be from, from your, your, any of your DAWs as editors to be able to push uh, you know, directly to note tracks. I mean, you have to export that MP3, you export that waveform, you have to save it, you render it, you have to save it, and then you have to, you know, drag it into your Dropbox or even drag it into note tracks. It's an extra step. And it would be great through a DAW to be able to export, you know, that. Um, the problem is that we we can't connect to all the DAWs that, that sure. are out there. And a lot of them are kind of, you know, close, close structures, don't have too many integrations, except certain ones, certain cooler ones, <laughs> like Hindenburg. Yeah, one that starts um, with an H. Yeah. Reaper might have some... some, some so I, I think I got the two, two best, best case DAWs to be able to discuss that. I know that Ableton does, does do some, some pushes maybe to SoundCloud, um, and that's about it. I think they stop there, but they don't do. But Hindenburg seems to... I know the folks at Headliner, and they have an integration, so... I'm actually on a, on a call with, with the Hindenburg folks um, in, in, in the next couple of weeks. So you know, looking forward to, to discussing that. And, and Daniel, if you could help me you know, find some folks at Reaper that can uh, allow... I mean, it, it's a simple connection. It's, it's basically, you know, again, grabbing the audio from there and pushing to our server. It's just really for them to make that integration and then for the users to ask that. It shouldn't only be for us. It should be for, you know, connect to a Zapier, connect to something that allows, uh, you know, users to be able to decide wherever they need to push it. If you need to push to Slack, push to Slack. If you need to push to Dropbox. You know, there's got to be a more open structure for these DAWs to be able to, to, to push out content. But I think if we start with the, with the, the more cooler ones, you're definitely going to see other, other, others doing, doing that um, themselves. I think I'm cool. I've been meaning to reach out to like, because what's great about Reaper is it's going to be a side tangent is it's really open. So like there are people that use Reaper can like code and like ask groups and like a whole bunch of stuff to Reaper without needing to like the actual developers to do it, which is really cool. But I don't know that there's any way for like Reaper to export to like a third party, like the way Hindenburg does. So you can upload it's like, well, you know, Lips and I'm assuming Blueberry, a bunch of other podcast hosts. Be really cool for Reaper to implement that as well as being able to, you know, render directly to no tracks. So I'd say, you know, a huge step on our end. That's great. I mean, that uh, ha- happy to explore it. Um, you know, uh, again, if if they've got, you know, if it could be to to you know to export to other services, but if they def- definitely have that publishing option where it's going to, you know, again, Ellipsin, um, it's it's the same process to upload it to NoteTrack. So that's that's what kind of ma- made me interested in, in in looking at it with him Hindenburg because they do have those options, whether it be Headliner, whether they be, um, you know, any of the podcasting uh, platforms. But uh, but uh, yeah, we, we definitely should look at uh, into it, uh, you know, for for Reaper. We also have a question from the chat. Do you have a second for that, Daniel? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Patrick wants to know 
if you've seen any use for note tracks in education. He's a middle yeah. school music production students. 100%. I mean, one of our first customers, a uh, shout out to Aragorn Eisler in Austin, Texas. One of our first customers was, was a middle school music production teacher that used it with, with the 75 kids uh, in, in his classroom. Since the, the, the platform was uh, designed for analysis of music, we really wanted it to be used in, uh, in, in schools. The, the issue with, with marketing there is that you know, it's, it's, it's just a hard discovery process. There's a lot of tape around getting software into classrooms. So it's, it's, not, our, it's not our focus anymore. You know, we, we tend to go to where, where it's, it's the most well-received. But um, absolutely, we, we do have classrooms using it. We don't heavily advertise it. I mean, I think on our website, use cases is there, there is an education uh, use case still there. So definitely, we understand that the schools have budgets. So always open to to adhere to what they could, uh, you know, what they could afford. Obviously, love love to have uh, you know students on board. That's where the idea came came out of. So please reach out. So we've been talking about integrations like from the dot to no tracks, but what other kind of integrations do you have besides that? I mean, right now we focus on on what we call micro integration. So, you know, anything that allows us to get comments into the DAWs. So, the, the two main ones that we have at this point are, um, you know, our download our download marker slash comments into two main editors: Adobe Audition and um, Audacity. <laughs> I just got excited. So, the markers you're talking about—that's. The markers you put in note tracks with the comments. Do the comments come in too, or just yeah, markers? Yes, yeah, yeah, everything, everything, everything. <laughs> into Audition, uh, yeah, in, into Adobe Audition. We've got. I'm going to pull out the URL, but I think if you go to notetracks.com/audition, you could actually see how it would turn up into your audition file. I'll post that into the the chat. But um, oh, yeah. once you click on that, you could actually see what it. You know, um, Adobe Auditions got their marker panel and their their you know text list and what we do is we take all our comments we populate it there with the timestamps so if your clients are adding all the comments and note tracks giving all the feedback as an editor you could just you know download that little um, you know audition uh, file imported into audition and then you see everything there where you could make the changes same thing for audacity why did we start with those? Because we they both started with A's and we went in alphabetical order. <laughs> oh, no. I could suggest one with an H and probably one with an R as well. It's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. So Reaper's going to be way down the list. <laughs> so full disclosure, like I, I've never used note tracks and, and Daniel has showed it to us previously when we've met privately. But I do work on podcasts Team, so like narrative teams for um, a larger company. And one of the tools they use is Frame.io. Yeah. Which I hate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, you know, I guess it's meant for video. Definitely. And so those comments are hard to like keep track of. They're in a little side, like a little chat sidebar, which is weird. So seeing that and the idea of being able to bring markers in just makes me excited. So, all right, I'll see you guys later. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, that's care for the night. This is all being recorded, right? We got this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so to be, um, to kind of get into the weeds a little bit, I'm assuming yeah. when you bring that in, it attaches the comments to the timeline. So I could import it back into an existing session with the raw audio without having to start with the edited version. Exactly. 
Perfect. There's one with an H that somebody wants to. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'd have to know. I'd have to know this. I'd have to know if Hindi is, is that is that the term? Is, is That's it, what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd have to know if Hindi allows for the import of markers. That's all you'd have to tell me. If if it allows for the import of a marker file to populate into the editor, then we're okay. Then we've got a way to get the markers and the comments. And I we just need to know the format. And right. It's easy for us to, to adapt it to that format. I mean, I can help with the format because I get into the XML file. But as far as the import, I know it'll grab markers that are attached to the audio file and it'll bring them in as what they call cue points. So it's attached to the audio, not the timeline. But I know what the XML looks like. What I don't know is how to import them other than just copying and pasting into a session file, which is a little dangerous. Like you can yeah. screw some stuff up. And, and when you say if, if the, uh, the cue points are in the, um, the, the audio file, you mean like the waveform? So they're, they're embedded? Yeah, the- so if, if I had exported an MP3 with markers on it, when I bring that MP3 back in, if I just drag it into a new session, it will import those markers as a separate type of marker that's attached to the audio rather than to the timeline. Where are you putting markers in MP3 and, and exporting them from? Oh, I, I use markers all the time to mark where I am. And so when where? I bring it back, right, because I'm editing, it's time to take a break. I'm like, where was I? Oh, yeah, right here. Or but where? To, you're, you're speaking in, in Hindenburg at the same time. In Hindenburg, time. yeah. Oh, okay. So you're, ma- you're making them in Hindenburg and then you could be re-importing them and it will keep it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm looking for like an extra. Like, if you were to tell me it was an isotope, I think isotope right. um, got some market uh, marker capabilities as well too. So, if you were telling me you're importing, then I would say I would say that okay, there is you know some structure that they have. You know, maybe they're putting them in the waveform uh, or the MP3 and metadata somehow, some way we could analyze that. Okay, but anyways, we we could look at that that further. I'd be happy to delve deeper into that one. And to finish Carrie's point on on the Frame IO stuff. I mean, Frame.io is super cool. Uh, you know, shout out to Frame.io. They were the, you know, they've, I, we've always aspired to be like a Frame.io for audio. So they, they, you know, they came about with collaboration on video, um, you know, great company, great team. They got bought by Adobe recently. They've always paved the way for us when we, you know, pitched, uh, you know, to investors, to, to you know, to, to, to funding, to be able to, to be like them, but just designed for audio. And that's all we want to be. I mean, they are designed specifically for video. Sure, sure enough, folks are using it for audio. But like you say, I mean, you know, they, they, you know it, it might, might work, uh, you know, work for audio, but it might not work as best as it could be. And, you know, they're tailoring uh, for features with regards to video. And we full, full. We also, side note, we also uh, offer video. Um, so we can be used for video collaboration as well. Not a lot of people know this, but you can, you know, create video projects and note tracks and use it as a frame IO instead of having, you know, that, that side panel, you actually have the notes on the waveform and you have the video on top and, you know, it, it, it's just a better or a different, I would say a different look and feel. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we can say, say better. better. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. having it kind of laid out the way you do makes a lot more sense. We we offer two choices though cuz a lot of folks kind of are used to this whole like comment like side panel type of thing. We call it the journal view, so it's kind of like the or the vertical view where it's vertical. Um but again, it's not my preference. I really like to for visually for some reason I like, you know, things moving left and right and I like to see stuff underneath and you know even if the, you know, even if the development team will, will tell me, "Hey Cam, like we should just stick to one view," and, and I'm like, "No, we got to have this. We'll add the other view for folks." Kind of like uh, if anybody's used like any of these DAWs uh, for music production, like Ableton Live, they've got two views. They've got a, a vertical view and a parallel view, and they develop for both of them. You could make the same music in both those views, and and you have best of both worlds. So, 
that's basically what we 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 do. But again, the, the clear choice to have the notes underneath the waveform is an audio choice. That's how we look at audio. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It helps. It helps. It helps to see things visually. We're we're very visual people. Do you want to bring up an example and show? Those joining us later, not on the live stream, you need to go check out the video to see the insanity of, or the the beautifulness of what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, an episode that I worked on. So what he's talking about, so here is like the vertical view or the horizontal. So you can see the comments as you scroll left to right. And then you can like zoom in more and more. And then on the right, you can bring this out if you just want the hor- the vertical view and it's going to see a list of everything. So for me, like I prefer this when I come into no tracks, this is what I go to and I use this list. But if you're like listening as you go, then like this makes total sense and you can like leave your comments for whatever you want in the exact timestamp. Done that I've done that. I'll be getting an email here in a few minutes with this comment. No, it sends you an email. Mm -hmm. So I have you know, three collaborators. There's me. So this is my account. This is what I own. And I've added my assistant editor and my virtual assistant. So they have all access to the different projects. And so they can come in here and see everything. And then whenever they make something or like make an edit or make a comment, I get kind of an email saying like what the comment was. I feel like Frame.io didn't do that. Yeah. That's why no tracks is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so I had a really tough time using Frame.io. Um, I was working on a narrative podcast, and it was just me and the sound designer just wanted to jump off a bridge because of the way Frame.io functioned. And then sometimes the notes didn't save, and sometimes they did save. I don't know what was going. I mean, they were just obviously having a bad. I mean, maybe they had COVID. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it did not work out. So I am still salty about Frame.io. Another d- different thing that we do is, uh, is again, in, in the focus of audio is that we allow multiple tracks in. Like we kind of we kind of designed it as if it was a DAW, like an editor without the editing functionality. So it, it looks like a DAW. It's a, you know, you have got playback controls like a DAW, your rewinds, your fast forward, your slowdowns, et cetera. But instead of having the editing, you have got the commenting and documentation features. So um, you can put in your stems. You can is... put in your stems. Exactly. You 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 kind of read my mind. You knew yeah. where I was going. I didn't even I didn't even say it. I was like, did I, just, did I say that? I didn't I didn't say it. <laughs> you can put in your stems. So um, you know, again, we, we kind of recommend don't 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 try to put like, you know, five one hour episodes in because that's like, you know, like gigs of, of loading, um, you know, and if you're, you know, if you're, don't blame, don't blame the platform for it. Like sitting, you're sitting there like loading gigs of, and depending on your internet connection, it might be faster. But what we see a lot of folks do is AB. So have a reference, you know, it's got to sound like this, uh, you know, and then have the reference and underneath, or they, they do like, you know, the, the main version, the first V1 and then the V2, you know, just, just the previous version, alternate between the previous version, just so you could kind of hear, hear the changes. Multiple tracks is definitely uh, something, something that's, that's different on this platform. Do you have any plans to add editing to it? Cause I can imagine a, cl- okay. <laughs> a cloud-based <laughs> yeah. editor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of advertising that we tried and, um, you know, the amount of folks that subscribe to our service thinking that's an editor, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like we're doing a real good job getting editors <laughs> on board, subscribed to our service. But the problem is that when they're looking for the editing tools, they, they don't seem to find them. So there are some, some familiar 
you know, audio editors, podcast, uh, you know, collaborative, web-based, you know, desktop-based editors. Our job is not to get into the editing uh, of sorts. Um, you know, I really want to keep the ethos around the documentation collaboration. So we call editing mi- micro-edits. So it's kind of like if you really need to, you know, if you need to draft something up, you need to trim, you need to split, you need to, you know, move some stuff around lightly. Like let's not get into, you know processing let's not get into you know some some significant splicing um you know it's really just some some light stuff um you know that you could just get the job done and i think it's also an entry point for for early stage folks that are creating whether it be on the music side podcasting side that just need to record something and just need to trim it i think we get a lot of folks doing compilations for for dance recordings <laughs> that just want to just take some different musical pieces and, and split them up and just put them together, uh, you know, on their own, but some, some light, light based stuff again, not to, I think once you, once you start putting, there's only so much you could do in software. And once you start, you know, uh, doing a lot, it, it gets bloated. I think things will start slowing down. If we have some heavy, your elements, you know, all of a sudden you'll have to like download, you know, uh, a native version of note tracks and, and, uh, you know, it works with it. You don't want to get there. We just want to, make a, a simple performing, you know, documentation um, tool designed for audio. In reviewing some of those files, sometimes you need to make some some micro edits and changes. Say, you know, I needed to to to, to cut right here and, and and try that type of thing. I like yeah. that. So what I'm thinking is I have a client who rather than because like she'll go through like record the episode and then like go back and I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. So rather than like sending me 20 timestamps, I upload it to Descript. She goes in and like deletes what she wants, but then I have to go back in and fix it because it's descript. Um, <laughs> but I could see like that kind of like thing. Like I went to this section, I want to delete this section, I want to delete this section. Hundred percent. That was another concern that that we had, and I think customers also voiced it too. So, some of some are like, you know, do do not get into editing. We don't want we don't want you. <laughs> and I think that, that that's a, that's a you know valid concern. The valid concern is you know you could share the if you're sharing the file for reviewing, and you know you know the the client has the you know the capacity to start exploring editing, you know, and, and does have the permission to do so. They could you know delete things, mm. um, which which you know again you, you don't want them to do so. You know, this micro editing will be very carefully added with a permission that, you know, <laughs> that, that, that states, you know, be careful who you give this permission to. Um, That's but very yeah, valid. I would, I would say it's it's kind of like a, another smaller feature, like on, on the multiple features that we have on the list, but it's not, uh, you know, we've got a lot, lot more to do with regards to optimization of commenting, collaboration. Daniel, you, you, you mentioned that we will be talking about, you know, some interesting features. I think the, 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 the other thing besides editing we're asked for is transcription. So transcription is a heavy feature, not for the sake of having the transcription file to, you know, but just to be able to search for stuff. Folks want to be able to search for stuff through like, you know, they want to be able to, to go into, um, you know, the search. Um, right now you could search for projects with titles, but you can't go into the actual audio thing. So like, let's say, where is that podcast I was working on, on automotive, you know, type in automotive and then you, it pops up type of thing. So that would be powered by transcription where we would transcribe the, the podcast, keep the information there um, and allow it to be searchable. So that's, that's something, um, you know, we are looking into. The other thing that we, we so here, here's another thing. We actually revamped our entire UI. So we've got, um, you know, a new, a slightly, you know, same type of features, slightly newer look and feel to it that, uh, that I'll be giving folks such as yourself access to to be able to, to, to beta test in the coming weeks. But one thing we added to this one um, that's not in the current version is, is just a, a notepad. So like, you know, folks have asked 
for a place of like putting overall notes. And some folks like will add a marker and just say overall notes, like at the end of the file or at the beginning of the file, they put a marker and they just write a big paragraph of all the overall notes. Like this is the big summary, which they've asked to populate in just a notepad. So we've got this little notepad that, you know, like, you know, functions like a little Google Docs. Um, you know, on the right side um, that opens up where you could just, you know, copy and paste the scripts, put your, uh, you know, your transcribed files if you have them, um, you know, write your general notes, do whatever you like. I like that. I like the searchable feature too, because that's yeah. the, what I use the most, I think, in Descript is, mm-hmm. you know, besides like Backspace, it's like the ability to search for things. What's back? What does Backspace do? <laughs> oh, it just deletes stuff. Like I highlight something and delete it or, or okay. you know, or copy and paste. Because I'll copy and paste the you know stuff from the transcript in, into composition. It's probably worth mentioning a lot of. I think what you're doing with that is really more of the scripted podcast editing. Is that, yeah, I don't know how many times like I've uploaded an episode, like not you know storytelling or anything, just normal episode uploaded to Descript because I remember hearing a part, but I cannot find it in the audio because it's you know 45, 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I uploaded to Descript just so I can control F figure out where that was so I can go back into Reaper to actually do what I need to do. There you go. Having a transcript is always nice. That's it. But I mean, that's powered by a transcript. They're transcribing the file and then, and then that's it. They've got the text that's there and then it's easy to, to you know, so same, same type of thing we, we got to get into. So Carrie, are you a Descript editor? Are you, you, you were editing with Descript or? So I use Descript for um, dialogue editing. Basically, so I'm just working with the dialogue, whether it's voiceover, interviews, whatever. And, and I'm either combining it to make all the, like pulling all the selects for a, a narrative or audio drama, right? And then I bring those in to my DAW and then I, you know, refine, because it's the script, you have to refine everything and you like paste everything. It. Yeah, I de-descript it. And, you know, it it saves a lot of time because then I don't have to look at like if an actor does something in twenty takes, I can you know very quickly scan and you know choose my select instead of like having to parse out like twenty takes and figure out which ones are the best ones and you know it just speeds things up. What are you using as you, as your as your editor? What's that? What's the main audition? Audition. audition, which is why I get excited about the markers <laughs> because you know at the end of my process I have to send it off for like my file off for review. Yeah. Right. And the notes come back in an email or uh, notated on the script or. <laughs> you got to get, you got to get them on tracks. I mean, when, when I would say in the podcasting industry, I would say we've got to, you know, it's, it's, it's neat to see the, the, the narrative, you know, cause these folks get deep in the comments. Like, like Daniel, I saw yours were, were like little paragraphs, but I've seen like. Right. I have that. It's, and it's cool because it's, it's, you know, it's multiple, you know, multiple actors. Like, I mean, the majority of podcasts uh, could be like interviews, you know, two people, you know, editing stuff. And then there's not much back and forth. There's not much feedback. There's not much, you know, you know, once the editor knows what they're doing with regards to ed- uh, editing, there's not much feedback back and forth. But these narrative podcasts, like it's, it's, it's treated like a, it's like a movie basically. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. multiple characters, the producer, the writer, the studio. And it's like, it's everybody like on the same session. You know, when we when we get one of these podcasts, it's like it's like a dozen people all together, different folks, and then the comments are like are heavy. 
I think we we came to a bug where it was like, you know, we we've exceeded the amount of characters we could put into this comic. <laughs> it's like, how much are you writing? It's like, um, <laughs> expand, expand on that. But uh, yeah, no, Carrie, love to connect and 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 uh, and see if we could help. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be helped. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> so. One of the things I'm wondering is I, I love the idea of saving time, but I'm wondering, have you ever been able to work with any of the people that use note tracks to quantify what that time savings is worth to them? Oh, it's perfect, man. Leeway into Daniel. Daniel would love to ask the question to you. <laughs> 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 what, what is this? What does note tracks do for you? <laughs> it saves a lot of headaches. So it's easier to parse. So, okay. So my, for my team, I no longer have to pay they can like review it a lot quicker. It's like I'm saving money there because I don't have to pay them to do, you know, take as much time to do it easier on them so they can focus on other things. But also the accuracy. So like I was saying earlier, a lot of times, so they might like, they're listening, you know, they might listen in Dropbox or something. They hear the issue, they look over and it's already, you know, two or three seconds have passed and then they make their no. So now I have to figure out exactly what they're talking about or it just might be like at 1444 there's an issue there. So I go to 1444, but the issue is actually like 1440. And so now I'm trying to figure out what in the world they were talking about. So now I got to go back to them being like for more clarification about what it is. Or if they just like miswrite, you know, mix up a number, it's 1344, not 1444. Well, now I'm looking all over trying to figure out which point it is. So now I'm going like 2444, okay, 23. And I'm going like each section trying to figure out what it is. And or then going back to the client. So the amount of time and headaches from the inaccuracy of other means, I think is huge. And it's not an expensive thing. Like the highest tier you have is $29 a month, which is pretty affordable, especially if you're doing this professionally. So that's what it is for me. So the time saved, but more importantly, the headaches that it prevents. I'm just going to add that like those as editors, we know those seconds add up, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Pun intended or pun not intended? Good slogan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, well, you're welcome to have it. Um, yeah. I won't charge you. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just, it become it can become very easily dealing with people like just handwriting timestamps. It can become very overwhelming very fast. I mean, that's. I kind of dread anytime anybody gives me a timestamp and I always go like five seconds before and I listen five seconds after, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's just it's so much easier to just assume they got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so to answer your question, Brian, it's, it's hard to, every time I ask the question that it's, I mean, I think there's two points that come about it, it's the ease. So it's the, uh, you know, alleviation of the frustration in terms of the clarity organization, et cetera. Um, and then we do get the, it speeds up the, 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 the production time by how much, I don't know. I mean, Daniel, unless you, you you've got the yeah. answer. For it. Well, and that's a fair point. That's part of why I asked the question, right? Because I have some of my clients are more, more fastidious than others. So I have one that when she sends me timestamps, I can lock and load. Like she might be a half a second off, but that's it. I've got another one um, where it really doesn't matter that there are timestamps. At least it doesn't matter that much. And when she includes the before and after statement, so I can kind of find it, I'm sometimes amazed at how close she was and when she doesn't, it's just a crapshoot. Like, you just got to figure out what's going on. 
or you have to go back and wait for her to respond. And I don't want to affect her production timeline, but that does back up work when that happens. Yeah, when you have to wait on that email. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many times I could get. So the issue is that minute 22-ish. Okay, well now, now I got a 30 to 40 second window. I need to find what, what they're talking about. I got to use that one too. <laughs> yeah, well, I... I, I'm an ish person um, <laughs> when I do give timestamps to people too. So I'm also an offender <laughs> as well as a fixer. Um, I think though something like this, or at least having something, some sort of collaboration tool in place, even if it's not note tracks for your clients is really super helpful because it's saving us time and ending our own frustration. And we do this for a living. So for the client, it has got to relieve a lot of stress, I would imagine, to have that, as long as it works, right? As long as it works for them, it's got to do the same thing, saving time and extra frustration. Because I'm sure, Brian, your client is not enjoying the time of recording, like not enjoying recording timestamps. No, I'm certain that she's not. And these are, believe it or not, these are actually pre-edit timestamps based on the raw recording. Unless I screw something up, I never get feedback back. I I doubt that she even listens to them once I'm done. Because one of the things I say is, if you've got something you want to make sure does not make it in the episode, I need to know what to cut. And you need to give me timestamps. And I guess technically I get them. (laughs) Ish. Ish. And another point I do want to highlight about NoTrax is unlimited collaborators on all their plans. So the project manager, so I use Airtable for my organization. It's $20 per month per person. So I stick to the free plan because I don't want to pay for, you know, the four or five people on my team plus, you know, 10 to 15 clients that I have. That adds up quick. So the fact that like, you don't have to worry about paying extra because you want to bring a client on or whatever because like the tiers go up based on the number of projects and then the storage amounts. So I love that it's like unlimited collaborators. I wish more SaaS products did that. Yeah. Yeah, same. There was a point where we're, we're thinking about, you know, folks are telling us to you perhaps use a little bit of collaborators. I mean, at the end of the day, like it's it's about collaboration. So we don't we don't want to limit limit access to, you know, you you will have that. If you have a, a, a file that you want to review with one person or with 10, 12, you know, 30, you know, the, 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 the more the merrier. So it's better visibility for us at the end of the day. So. And I would imagine the expensive part is probably not administrating the users. It's probably file storage and transfer that drive the cost, right? Definitely. I mean, in terms of the tiers, yes. I mean, in terms of the the, the software, it's more of the the, the development. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> the brain power and time. <laughs> but it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting. As long I keep saying that, as long as I can have a day job where I could, you know, interact with folks such as yourself and do this, uh, you know, that's that's the name <laughs> of the game for me. So happy to be in these spaces to meet um, to meet y'all. Uh, you know, we did a we, we were introduced to the to Steve's uh, Steve's uh, group. Did a webinar there. You know, found. Dan Daniel, as a customer, I think through that webinar, met with y'all at, at, at PodFest, so. uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm here. So it's been a cool, cool, cool chain of events. Well, before we go, are there any other features or anything that you want to touch on that we haven't mentioned that you think that podcast editors would get a use out of? 
Yeah, I think I think the major thing is is integration. So uh, you know whether they be the micro integrations with the rest of the DAWs. If I didn't uh, you know mention them, whether it be the Pro Tools that you know that's that's also uh, you know fo- folks use Pro Tools. So um, an import export of markers to to that. I think the next thing in integrations is 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 basically allowing the um, export of of our audio. Like publishing, basically. So the same way, you know, we were talking about how Headliner could publish to to different other platforms. We'd like to also uh, allow uh, users to have um, the ability to publish to other services, whether they be Slack. You might be using Slack in your team. You might have a need to put it back to Dropbox. So it could be a Zapier connection, or it could be specific connections um, that users find useful to be able to to um, to export. Off the top of my head, there was also, and, and with regards to the DAW, we did start the development of a, of a VST, so a plugin where you could actually, you know, load up into any of your DAWs and then be able to view note track sessions files. So that's something that's also in the works. I mean, you know, if you if you don't want to open up a browser and you want to stay in your DAW completely, we do have a plugin that's not in beta yet. Um, it's in development. It works. Um, we haven't um, put it to beta or given it to any of our users yet. We're trying to figure out how to get the audio because the next step is basically trying to see if we could, from that plugin, you know, get the audio from the DAW to the platform, kind of like what Brian was mentioning, but through the VST instead of the, the actual DAW itself. Somebody got some like ending time music going on. <laughs> like a candle in the back of the room. Not yeah. me yet. No. <laughs> now my thank you speech. <laughs> <laughs> you were that good, Beth. <laughs> the music disappeared. Uh, no, it has been really good. Um, this is cool. Cool. I'm gonna have to sign up. So if somebody wanted to sign up for no tracks. Easy to do so. So no, www.notetracks.com. If you're looking towards the the audition or uh, audacity integration slash audition slash audacity, we've got a discount code for for any of the podcast editor mastermind uh, folks EM25. So you could subscribe to to try out the platform. It's free for seven days. If at any point you want to subscribe and try one of our monthly tiers, which ranges from nine to $29. You could use this 25% off code. That'll make it much lesser than $9 a month. And at the same time, that code works for annual plans. So if you you know like what you're doing and you want to bank in for a year, you could choose our, our yearly discounted prices are probably already 15 to 20% off of the monthly. And then if you add this code, a hack is to add this code on top of the annual and you're getting like, like 40, 40, 40 something. Wow. Um, a million percent off, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good deal. And it's a great We just deal. want to have more folks like Daniel on board and have conversations like this because that's that's where the value is really at. And then meet folks that just carry, you know, and Brian who who just add add to the platform. So yeah, no, this is yeah. this is where the value is at. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have a, a Poddex question for this evening? We do have a Poddex. So I need you to choose a number between one and five, Cam. All right, five. One, two, three, four, five. All right. What is, what is, a, is it a question? I'm, I'm this not, is a yes. random question of the day that now you get to get at the same time we did. If you had to delete all but three apps on your phone, which ones would you keep? Oh, wow. TikTok? You'd keep TikTok? I would keep TikTok. I'd keep TikTok. <laughs> I don't even have TikTok. Wow. Yeah, I'd keep TikTok. Now, like the phone text apps, is that already? I mean, I don't know. They're technically apps, so yeah. So I I was going to say phone, text, and and mail. That's about it. Those are the three that, if I could only keep them, if those are like the that's basically like the phone, the phone, the text, and the yeah, and the mail. I'd probably get rid of my phone. I get rid of my phone too. 
Not many people calling me. Let's go level up. After that, let's let's talk about like you know uh, uh, you know the the non the non essentials. <laughs> so I, I'd probably keep web browser, um, email, and then text was my other one. Like I have no use for the actual calling part of the phone because then I have to yeah. talk. Text I could probably get rid of too. I mean, sadly, I'd probably keep Facebook, which, yeah. I might keep I Facebook could... Messenger because that's like yeah. where a lot of my conversations are. TikTok for my entertainment. And then email. I would keep email. I don't know. Camera. You can't lose the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I could use the, lose a camera. No, that's not an app. That's just part of the phone because no other app has its own little like thing. So I'm going to the say it. There yeah. you go. Notes? What about notes? I got to keep notes. Oh, right? Google Keep is awesome. So <laughs> now I got to keep the whole phone. <laughs> Dang it. That question is too hard. For those joining us live, you're certainly welcome to drop your answers in the chat as well if you stuck with us this long. If you're catching the podcast, we're going to have a link in there for you to leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. What three apps would you keep on your phone? It's not going to be available for the live stream. It's only for our podcast listeners, but we'll make sure that that's there so that you can answer that question. What are the three apps you'd keep on your phone? Spotify. Can't lose Spotify. I mean, listen to it. <laughs> Cam's up to like two dozen now. Yeah, we're giving Cam an existential crisis right now. <laughs> He's going to be thinking about this for the next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the person that's got like the swipe. Like you could just keep swiping. Like I got, I got like ten pages of swipe, swipe apps. Like, like I'm just a, I'm an app hoarder. I think so. I think for me, it's 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 the it's the delete <laughs> delete all the apps that I wouldn't you know, that I could survive <laughs> without. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. So Carrie, if somebody wants to be a guest on the show, what do they need to do? They need to go to podcast editors, mastermind slash be a guest and fill out the form. And we will contact you about being a guest. And, and they will. That, that works. <laughs> exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. Besides knowing Daniel and Brian and meeting with them and 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 sending them some, some private message <laughs> messages, I think that was the tell me that, that hitting that URL is what actually yep. worked. <laughs> yeah, right, cool. Guess cool. it's moving. Follow the process. Trust the process. Exactly. Eventually. And if anybody would like to connect with me, I'm easy to find. Uh, the the chat box in the app, you know, connects directly to the team and myself. And I'm Cam at NoteTracks.com. So if anybody wants a, a teacher that you know wanted to introduce the platform to, love to connect with you. Cam at NoteTracks.com. If you're watching it now or watching it later, um, hit me up. And also, if you're looking to get a discount on NoteTracks, I encourage you to join the Podcast Editor Academy. And you get a steep discount there as well as a ton of other things. And plus, support those that support the show because we're truly grateful for them for supporting us and what we do here. And use the code Yetis to get your 31 days free while that code is still active because time is running out. Oh, yeah. Almost done with that yeah. code. Yeah. Check out the conference if you're going to be in in, in, uh, in in Dallas. It's Dallas. Yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Are you going? I'm not. I'm, and I'm having maybe. Okay. Like, I was glad that, that, that y'all reached out to be here because I'm like. I'm I'm getting like it's not it's not buyer's remorse, but it's 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 non-buyer's remorse. So it's not <laughs> it's like I'm getting that whatever that term is, somebody find it for me. FOMO. Oh FOMO. FOMO. It's FOMO. Fear of missing, missing out. out. But it's not the fear. Yeah. Now it's kind of like the, I'm I'm sad of missing out. It's sad not, of missing out. It's coma. Disappointment. No no of missing out. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, we we missed we missed the, the the boat on being a sponsor, and uh, you could tell Steve Steve this, uh, and I'm sure he's probably watching or going to be watching. But uh, yeah, we would you know the would would have wanted to be a sponsor there, and would have wanted to be there. But there's so much so much to catch up to and do. So got to got to choose uh, you know which events we could be at. Um, but yeah, this was the this that. was the closest best thing to being around you guys again. <laughs> so happy to well, awesome. Out. I'm glad we could provide. Yeah. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for watching and if you're catching the replay, appreciate that. Or if you're listening, thanks so much for listening. I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Brian Entspinger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com. I'm Carrie Caulfield-Eric. You can find me at yayapodcasting.com or at Carrie Eric on Instagram. Thank you so much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye, y'all. Uh, um, so how much is that? Um, 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 um